question today is, what is unconditional love? You know, we've all heard um, the, I don't know, the, if you go to church, you've heard uh, sermons on unconditional love. Um, some of us even know people who show unconditional love at all points in time, uh, no matter what happens. But we're all kind of wondering what this unconditional love is and what did the definition and, um, you know, how uh, we can attain this unconditional love or how we can have people unconditionally love us with some of the things that we have done in our lives that um, we are told are less than uh, heavenly, let's say. And um, so one of the definitions, and there's many definitions of unconditional love, um, which I find kind of ironic, but one that uh, I seem to like the best is unconditional love, love without strings attached. Now, if you think about it, um, that's great. So unconditional love without any kind of strings attached, if you make any mistakes or uh, have any difficulties understanding what uh, the guidelines are or anything, you kind of slip up or fall off the path. And then you're, you're lent a hand that helps you uh, get back up and, and try again. And that's unconditional love in some, some aspects. But these, these strings that uh, are talked about, um, I, you know, I envision strings as um, like puppets, like you're controlling a puppet or you're controlling something with strings. So love that has strings attached is, in my mind, is the manipulation. So sometimes people show love to manipulate and they might think that they're manipulating in um, in an essence of love to kind of veer, you know, you always hear, well, I just wanted to veer him or her back on the track and back up. So back on what track are we talking about? So what track is this? Is it your track? Is it their track? Is it God's track? Whose track are we trying to get everybody on? And the more and more you talk to people, you're going to find out that uh, there are many different tracks and uh, everyone's got the right one. But an unconditional love to me would be any track that you're on that people will accept that and know that that's your track and that's your way. So, you know, you, you think about that as you talk with people and, um, you know, and you have your certain church you go to or your certain organization that you're with, uh, certain, um, let's say even, even down to the job. So if you're in a, in a, a company that, you know, there's other companies around that do the same thing, but yours is obviously, obviously the best because you're in it and um, you guys know how to do things and, and they just don't do things the way we do things and we do it all the right way. And, and uh, so everybody has their own thought pattern and perception on that. So I have a story I'm going to tell. Um, and um, it's a true story. And uh, there might be a little bit of, uh, what do they, they want to call it? Um, just exaggeration of the drama in it just to make it uh, just, you know, more, uh, just so people remember it. And uh, I get a kick out of this story, um, 
but I think it lends to the unconditional love aspect. Now, the story starts out with, uh, you know, two people meet and they fall in love and they uh, start, you know, occupying each other's space with uh, their lives. Their lives are brought together, two, two different lives are brought together. And um, they start occupying the same space, learning each other's tracks, let's say. And um, but even though they've learned the tracks and they, and they don't like, you know, uh, how they stack the toothbrushes or whatever, all that little piddly stuff that everybody kind of finds out, um, they have an unconditional love because they love that other person. So with that, um, they start creating a life together or a track. And that track produces, um, you know, ups and downs. And, you know, people might call it roller coasters if you have that kind of an attitude towards it. Um, but they, you know, with, with my story, um, the way that I perceive it is that, you know, we, we started creating a life together, me and my wife. And we wanted to kind of share that life with others. Now, some people do that. You know, they start out and they are going out with friends and and they go and have a good time. And then and you have real good friends and all everything seems great. But there's always a uh, maybe a yearning to, um, you know, to create. So as creators, um, you decide to create things. So, um, you know, maybe you go buy a house or you buy a piece of land and you create a, you build a home. And so you're creating things together. So you're co-creators in your new track of life. And so you co-create this and you, in, in, in our instance, we uh, bought a, bought a house and a brand new house and we were starting out our life, our marriage life. And um, everything was great. We bought the, you know, you buy the typical house in, in Southern California and it's on this uh, postage size posted stamp size piece of property and then everything's fenced. So that's your, that's your domain and that's your realm. Nobody crossed those lines. And uh, so you create your little space and um, it's your happy space. It's a safe space. And as you create this, you know, you're decorating and you're creating, you know, you, you do the lawns, you do the flowers, you do the trees. In our instance, we, we planted um, a lot of palm trees around our house um, and created a kind of a, our little own garden. And uh, then in the backyard, we, you know, it's all, like I said, it's all fenced in. So we created a little rock area to where it would hold, you know, plants and flowers, kind of a border around. And then you had grass. I planted grass. I learned how to plant grass and everything from my grandparents and, you know, laying down the first creating the dirt to where it would be good dirt and um, then laying the seed and then putting uh, cow manure over everything. I don't know if anybody does it like that anymore, but you put the cow manure over it and your, your, your little realm of area, your little oasis smells like uh, pasture for a couple weeks, especially when you get it wet. Anyways. Um, so we created this and you know, you, you get it all grown up, you put your patio covers in, you paint it all up and you put your decks on and, and you create this space in the back, um, that you would call like a garden and, um, it's your, it's your space and, um, it's a, it's a way to get away kind of, 
um, be around nature. You know, you're bringing nature back into your life, which is another thing. Why do we always want to do that? That's another calling on your heart that uh, can be talked about, I guess, at some other point. But um, so we created this. And then at that point in time, that wasn't that wasn't enough. So um, we decided to um, co-create a human being. So at that point in time, we learned how to co-create a human being, if you were if you were to say that, and uh, we created a human being. So we are now co-creators of another human life. And that human life um, then comes out and, and starts growing in the world. And we're there to protect it, to teach it, to guide it, to show it love, show it care, and to show it how to make its own path or track in this world, the place we call the world, the earth, as a human. So we're trying to train this other little being to be human. And uh, even though they, you know, they don't look like they're human when they come out, they're all kind of slimy and and uh, uh, full of all this stuff and smushed and you know purple and, and until they get their color to them and everything. But then it turns out to be this wonderful human being that's, uh, you know, kicking its feet and grabbing its toes. And, and, uh, in our case, the first little girl and, you know, grabbing her toes and, you know, and smiling and big blue eyes. And so we are in wonder at this little creation that we created. And so as we are teaching and learning ourselves and, uh, you know, moving forward with life. Um, this little human being keeps growing and learning from the creators. And, um, then we decide that, um, well, this little, this little human being needs a, a little, um, friend, a little, you know, helpmate. And, um, so we create, uh, another little human being. And same thing, comes out, um, wants to uh, learn about life and everything. And now we are we have co-created two human beings that we are in charge of teaching the ways of a human being life here on Earth. And as a parent, you will always, as a co-creator, you're always going to try and do the best that you can with the knowledge that you have at the time. Maybe, maybe you read books, maybe you don't read books. Maybe you're learning from your, your mother and father from, you know, and then learning from grandmother and grandfather, and you're learning how to raise these uh, little human beings. And so these, these little human beings continue to grow throughout the years. And uh, the other, the first little human being, the first little girl kind of sharing with the other little girl and then, you know, they're kind of teaching each other things also. So in, in aspects, as, a, as you're looking onto it as a, as a co-creator of this, you're seeing, hey, these, these little human beings are learning and they're starting to reflect or to mirror what we have taught them, kind of uh, like an image or a likeness of us. And... So we think, wow, this is this is awesome. And all of a sudden we decide to create another one. So yes, we have three girls and uh, they uh, 
again, they, they were growing. We, we co-created three little human beings and three little sisters, and they um, are now running all over the house and taking care of the, the newborn little baby and the little human being. And um, everything's kind of, you know, our little world. When you, when you go outside and you're going to other places, um, you're kind of in the world and what everybody else is doing. But when you come in through the front door or through the garage door, you enter your world and your realm and the way you want it to be and the way that everybody in that little circle now expects it or perceives it to be. So with that, you start growing your family and... Um, so here's where, where, where a story comes in of, of things that happen and then, and then how you learn from that um, in all aspects. So remember I, the early on I said we created a backyard, um, like a little garden area, green grass. And we did that for these little humans to play in in a safe space. So remember, it's all fenced in. Um, they aren't playing in the front yard where they could run out in the street and somebody run over them or whatever, or go into someone else's yard and, you know, dogs get them or whatever that all the things that we hear happen today in today's society. And not that it happens just in today's society, it happened before. We just hear more about it today. And so um, we, uh, I don't know if anybody's familiar with um, a plumeria plant or plumeria tree. They are a, um, a pretty delicate tropical tree or plant that grows. And if you grow it correctly, you can grow it into a tree. So like in Hawaii, they are, they are trees basically. So they're like 15 feet tall, um, branches everywhere. And they produce these, these very fragrant flowers, colorful flowers. That's what they make the lays out of. So whenever you see a lay, those are usually plumeria flowers on there. And they're very, very strong fragrant wise. And, um, so we had one of these in the backyard and it was about it was about four and a half feet, five feet tall. And, um, you know, we had been taking care of it for quite a long time. And us as creators, we took care of it and uh, let, helped it grow and produce. It takes a little while for them to produce the flowers. So when they start producing the flowers, though, it's it's like an extraordinary event because uh, we're all happy that they, we've got these flowers now. We can put them in our little tray in the house of water and, and the whole house smells like, you know, these flowers, which is awesome. And so we had this in the backyard. And one day I was out, um, uh, I think I was mowing the lawn or doing something and, um, you know how we have to do that. We have to, we have to make sure our yards look great. So when everybody drives by that, they say, Oh, wow, what a nice yard. What, man, that guy has great grass. You know, if you're a guy, you kind of understand that, that, wow, look at that guy's grass. I wonder what he's doing to that grass to make it grow so green and full and thick. So we have to do that. And you're creating, uh, an outside perception of, what you want people to think the inside is like. And, you know, we kind of do that with ourselves too. Um, that might be another subject to talk about maybe at another time, but created this, I'm out there mowing the lawn and, um, our youngest daughter, um, I don't remember the ages at this point in time. And I'm, if I asked my wife, she would, but, uh, the, you know, the youngest was running around, um, you know, walking already. So, uh, you know, at least, at least a year old, um, uh, maybe a year and a half, which means the other ones were um, three and four. 
you know, or maybe three and five at the time, but young, very young, all still, you know, uh, learning and, and everything. But um, the a flower had dropped off the way I remember it. Now, my girls might not remember it this way, but uh, the way I remember it, the flower had dropped off and um, the, the uh, youngest was there. And so I, I gave it to her and, you know, said, hey, here. And she took it and she thought I had given her, I mean, gold, you know, it's like, like, wow, you know, it smelled so good. So right away she goes in and tells the other girls, look what dad gave me. And, uh, you know, right away the human instinct is, well, I want that because we always want what everybody else has. Remember, that's, that's the way we're taught. You need to have this, you need to have that. That's the way advertising works. Um, so they come running out right away and say, dad, can we, can we have one of those? uh, flowers also. And there, there were, there were uh, quite a few flowers on the, on the tree at this point in time. And I said, yeah, you know, wait till I'm done, um, doing the lawn, cleaning up, you know, and all that, that you have to do with that. And, um, you know, cleaning up and watering down everything, getting all the cuttings off and cleaning up, just cleaning up and being done. I said, then I'll give you, I'll get, we'll pick one couple off the tree and give those to you. They said, okay, okay. So, I guess I was just taking too long. I was just taking way too long. The anticipation of having that flower in their hands was just too much to, to deal with. And, uh, you know, you see it on, on YouTube nowadays. I think there's a little thing going on where the parents put down uh, chocolate or um, uh, jelly beans in front of their, their kids. And they say, now, you can't, I'll give you these when I come back in the room and, and, uh, but until I come back in the room, don't touch them. And, you know, it's kind of hilarious to watch these kids kind of go through the thought pattern of what they, what they want to do, you know? And, uh, so I, I imagine that back in that day that these girls, the two older girls were doing this and, and watching the youngest <laughs> probably taunting them with the flower in her hand and, uh, uh, just smelling it and they didn't have it. So they wanted it. So I was out front doing the lawn. Um, you know, mom was doing something else. And so the two little girls, uh, the two oldest girls went in the backyard and um, they can start, they start uh, conspiring together, which, you know, is a good, it could be not a bad thing. It might be a good thing. I was, I was kind of proud that they were working together. I mean, that should be what a parent kind of looks forward to is that your, your kids uh, work together with each other and, um, you know, like each other that much that they work together. Um, that's a sign of unconditional love there, but they were in the backyard, um, you know, kind of looking at the plant, adoring it and, uh, thinking, wow, we're going to have one of those, but where is dad, man? What is, what is dad doing out there? And, and so my wife tells me they kept looking and wondering what you're doing. And, and then she calls me in and uh, we see that the two girls, the two older girls um, in the backyard next to the tree and we are watching them. So as co-creators that we are, we're watching through a window at the events taking place in our garden. And I had said, wait until I get them for you. And through free will that we all have, they decided, well, we can probably just do it on our own. And so what happened is they, you know, the, the oldest one kind of gave the, the, the middle daughter a boost up to reach the flowers. Cause remember they were, you know, higher up 
And so they, she boosted her up a little bit and they were using the tree as a, as a handle and this and that. And um, so the co-creators are watching out the window at the events taking place. And all of a sudden the, the middle one, they falls. And because she grabbed a, a branch of one of these trees that I get, I said are very delicate and the branch broke. So this is probably a good, you know, 12 inch branch. It's thick, had flowers on it and it broke it off. So it's not going to produce anymore. So, but, but, you know, in, in all, in all fairness, um, if you take that branch and plug it into the ground again, it'll produce again, but they had thought that they had ruined um, the plant. So right away, terror, I'm sure filled their hearts. And um, they started devising a plan of how they're going to, um, you know, tell us this or hide it. So they, they decided to try and hide it. And now you remember the little, the little one, um, and we will call her the tempter in this story, that she was the one that uh, tempted them in the first place to do this. You know, basically taunting them that I have this and, and uh, dad gave me this and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm special and they wanted it. So we'll call her the tempter. And through that temptation and their free will, they decided to just, you know, take it into their own hands and uh, grab the flower and be done with it. And so the, so the tree is now broken. Um, we are watching through the window at these little human beings trying to figure out they're talking to each other. They're, you know, kind of, you know, telling each other what they need to do. And so they hit it. And, um, now again, my story might be, uh, different than their story perception wise, but, um, I, as a, as a creator, didn't run over there out the door or open the, the sliding door that I was standing at and said, Hey, what did you guys just do? And you guys are in big trouble now and go to your room and, and, uh, you know, spankings and this and that for breaking a tree that I knew was going to grow back, you know, sooner or later, we just kind of let them think that, that no one saw them. So, um, when I went out there to, I said, come on, I said, when I got done, I said, come on girls, let's go out there and get your flowers. Now there wasn't the, the excitement that I expected they were not excited anymore to go out and get this flower. So I said, come on, let's go, let's go, hurry up, let's go get them. And there was not, there was hesitation. There was um, hiding. Uh, we're busy. We're going to go color. We're going to, you know, we're busy. We don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so, so I went out there and, um, you know, I found that the tree was broken and I said, huh, I wonder what happened. I, I said to my wife, do you know what happened here? She goes, no. And I looked at the girls. I go, do you guys know what happened? No. They looked at no. And uh, so we let it go. And then the way I, I remember it, because it was, it was not, it was a big deal to them. It really was a big deal. But it really wasn't a big deal to uh, my wife and I. And so we let it kind of fester for a little bit. And uh, after that, after a while, um, what I remember is uh, they came and confessed, but they each had like a different story. Um, and so, you know, we, we let them know that that wasn't the right thing to do. 
uh, take it upon themselves and that we would have, they, I said, wait, and we could have done it together and not had this, this issue where, where they felt it wasn't that they broke the tree, but it, I was more concerned on how they felt that they didn't wait, that they maybe messed up and they were, had the fear of the creators coming down on them for breaking the tree. And so what we did is thought about it after they, after they confessed to us, after they were done hiding, um, we made them pack their bags and even the little tempter, we made her pack her bag because she was, she was part of this too, because they did it. Um, the whole human creation in that area, um, in our realm, in our world, um, we were going to make pay for that. So, uh, we made them pack their little bags and, and, uh, we sent them off and we sent them away. And, uh, so we wouldn't have to worry about that kind of thing anymore and have the lying and the, you know, the deception and the everything we, so we sent them out of the garden per se. And, um, then we put out a, you know, a warning to the, to the police department that if you ever see these three little blonde headed girls, um, come near our house and our garden again, I want you to, to take them away. So that does not sound like an unconditional love story, does it? The parallel to that story is the story of um, Adam and Eve. And as you, as some of you probably recognize the story as I'm telling it, um, that's the story that is the narrative here that the creator of all is a conditional love creator. You follow what I say, do as I say, and you will have the rewards. But if you don't, I'm going to send you away. And that's the story we have. And that's what everybody tries to live up to. And I think that as we try and try and try, we always think we're, we're short of that unconditional love because of the things we do, the things we are hiding, the things that we know others are hiding that we're part of, and that um, we always feel separation. We separated, but then you know we go through our lives and we and we find peace uh, of some sorts because we're part of an organization, um, a religion that helps us to kind of reflect on that and say, yeah, yeah, God is a loving God and. And he does forgive me, and and here it is. He sent his son to die on the cross for me, and forgive me of all that I've done, and from all because you know if you think about it, if you really think about it, the truth is we are being punished here in the 21st century because of things that happened back 7,000 years ago between two humans that decided through their own free will to grasp at something that they were told not to grasp at and the creators watched this and said oh no they have done that we can't let them eat of the tree of uh, knowledge and because they'll be just like us then what what does that mean that you know 
the whole thing that the whole thing that took place what does that mean and so at that point it's it's all all we read about is this conditional love and and i you know i'm i know that some people say well no you're reading it wrong you're you're just not getting the grasping what it's saying and and i think you know i've read it enough times i've read it over and over and over and it never sat right with me and understanding that i am supposed to be fearful of a god that takes care of us and to live in fear of what i'm doing and that it um that i have to do things a certain way on a certain track to make sure that i am in his good graces and i i don't know uh about you guys but um i just don't i don't take that narrative as the truth and it's my truth and um you know as we as we go throughout our life i think that's why people are so disconnected because they think that that's supposed to be the way and that that's the majority of what the world thinks about that there is this god and and um he's a loving god we're, we're he's portrayed as a loving god he's always said to be a loving god but then we read the the old scriptures and it's always well we're going to conquer this this little town or this little province over here and god is with us and we took over and we killed everything there and because he promised us that piece of property and this and that goes through the whole thing i mean it's just mind-boggling how the creation that he created he always he always wants to wipe out and wipe out through a flood wipe out through armies um, keep away from with angels, keep away the, the creation that he put on this earth. And it sounds like conditional love with strings. And these strings are strings of manipulation that were put in place, I believe, that were put in place by um, not our loving God. And so I'm, I know I'm going to catch havoc for that, but um, I think they were put in place by man to control what they want others to perceive god as but in my age now and through what i've uh, come to learn and, and i don't know if it's learning it but it, come to know what i've always known because again things didn't sit right with me but i always followed the pattern that i was supposed to follow because i didn't want to deviate um and be left you know, basically, there's a there's a fear of being left. First of all, nothing of fear is anything of God. So when you fear that God's going to punish you for doing something, I don't believe that that is the truth. And that's just my perception. But there is some guidelines to live by that that are in place that they that God puts down. And, you know, when then you read the story about about Jesus and how he came and you know you don't if you read the first part of the of the bible and you are reading about all the death and destruction and the blood sacrifices and the you have to do this in order to and you have to do this you know every single day four or five times a day and you have to and you have to do all this stuff just to keep in good graces um doesn't 
it doesn't make sense. And but then you have it the in the the new covenant, let's say the uh, the gospels. You have this Jesus character that comes, the Son of God, and is put on this earth, um, God incarnate in human form, and he doesn't come down and say once he starts his ministry, he says, "Okay, now here, come here, guys. We need to. I, I want you to follow me, you to follow me, you to follow me, and you to follow me. And I want you to grab grab a group of guys, and we need to make some instruments of war, and we need to have knives, spears." Um, you know, we need to have some some horses. We need to have, we need to make sure that we can uh, fight against anything that doesn't go along with what I say. And what I say is the same things Isaiah said, and the same things that you know Moses said. And so so they they did all the fighting. They you know Moses murdered and and uh, did this and that, and yet and then you know David murdered and still a man after God's own heart. And, but so we need to do that. See, cause it's said there. And so I'm going to, I want you guys to start an army with me and we need to go out and get rid of these Pharisees and Sadducees out of these temples because they're doing all the wrong stuff. I've had, I've had discussions with them and they're doing all the wrong things and they just don't understand that I'm the son of God and all the stuff that they are having you people do is wrong. So let's wipe them out. Let's, we can do it. You know, let's start, let's start a rebellion and, and we can wipe them out and be done and start anew. And then we can start our own church. And, and, but see, that's not the way the story goes. He comes into the earth and his message is love. Love, love, love. And it's confusing. It's even confusing to the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he's talking to them. And it's really confusing to them when they say he's the son of God. Because that in their narrative, there is no such thing because they want you to keep separated. But yet throughout Jesus's time here on earth, he says that the kingdom of God is within you. It's not in that temple. It's not the following of those rules that everybody put down. The kingdom of God of God is within you. Look inside. You are the temple. You are the light, and it is you. I am in you. That means I am with you all the time. So back in the olden uh, days, in the old scriptures, when they say, yeah, we're going to go and conquer this land, and we're going to do this, and God is with us. Of course he's with you. He is with everyone. He's inside of everyone. No matter how evil they are, there is that glimmer and that God particle let's say in them because they are created whatever you choose to do through your own free will with your life is your own free will and um we can get into a subject on that too as far as how that person you know how that is thought of throughout the the eons of life and the the thousands and thousands of years of, of uh, people living on the earth but if you're if you're reading the, the the scriptures and confused about the God of old and the God of new, you should be confused because it is written and it's inspired, but it is written to give you clues as to see the difference and um, 
you know, there are many, one of the things I found astounding once, once I started studying all this on, on unconditional love, because I wasn't seeing unconditional love in the first part of the Bible. In the second part of the Bible, I was seeing unconditional love, but only on, on Jesus's part, on, not on anybody else's part who was supposed to be, you know, those are supposed to be the teachers and the, and the, um, I don't know, the pastors and the, you know, all the people of the temple and all the teachers teaching the way the word's supposed to be, they were supposed to be the ones showing unconditional love, but yet they hung a man on a cross and, and killed him for what he believed. That sounds kind of like the medieval times when they used to burn witches and, and people at the stake because they had a belief dif different from what the narrative was supposed to be. And that narrative is the strings, the manipulation to control what they want people to do. Now, what I found astounding, getting back to that, is when you start studying this Jesus character and understanding his story, it refer, it, you'll find different rabbit holes to go down and you'll start finding stories, the same story, different characters. And the same story, you're going you're gonna to understand it as the story of Jesus. But it was written thousands of years before him. Some of some of those stories are, and we've heard some of some of the names, Buddha. He was a Christ-like figure. Krishna, he was a Christ-like figure in his story. And you know the stories. I mean, there's very uh, a lot of parallels to these stories. And um, you know virgin births, uh, December 25th, which I, which we all know, you know, you can have discussion about that too, but that's not important. Um, uh, Romulus was another one. Um, they, I read here that the uh, way to pronounce it is Heracles, which it, I think it's Hercules with the son of Zeus. Zeus was a God. And then Hercules has the same similar story. Um, Zoroaster, um, Zoroaster of that culture is the same story. Addis, same story, different culture. And then Horus. Horus, the Egyptian culture, had the same story. His father was Osiris. And it's the same, it's the same Jesus story. A God, the son of God, coming down to show the world, to show the cultures of unconditional love. Not of war, not of sacrifices but them teaching that god is inside you and to correct the track or the path that others may have you on because you are part of that kingdom the kingdom of god is inside you over and over again is what is said in the in the in the new testament so why do we think then it's always external that's not an unconditional love. That's a conditional love. So do we know people that show unconditional love? Some of us, some of us do. Some of us might be that person. Some of, some of us might not be that person. And you feel like, oh, you know, I'm always trying to be that person. But I mean, I, uh, at the first of the first of the year, I put down my, you know, my uh, resolutions. And one of them is to show unconditional love throughout my life. 
And then, man, you go out the next day and you start driving around and there's this person who cuts you off or going too slow in the fast lane or, you know, you go into the store and someone's in your way with their cart and your unconditional love goes right out the door because it means all the time. And I think as a parent, I think as a parent, as a co-creator of that little human life that you've created, you understand the main concept of unconditional love. And you start feeling that unconditional love. And the unconditional love overpowers you. And you want the best for that little human being that you are raising that has picked you as their parent to help them navigate this earth. And some parents will take that and live by that, the unconditional love. And we all, all our families go through things in, in our families that are, let's say, less than positive. And some continue to love their children and others reject. And it's a shame, it really is, because that rejection is the same thing that we are taught. And it's not anybody's fault for thinking that way or trying to produce or kind of trying to mirror the image of what they're taught because that's what they're taught. You disobey, we kick you out. You disobey, we disregard, we disown. You disobey and I have want no more part of you. It's not anybody's fault. We just have to go back into our hearts and say, that's not unconditional. Unconditional is no matter what is done, no matter what is said, that you always love your creation. Your creation is there to grow and to be in the image and likeness of you. Because again, the kingdom of God is within you. And when you understand that aspect, we, you know, we live in a world that doesn't really show that. Um, it's all external. And, you know, when you, you think about unconditional love, right away, someone says, you know, you start talking about self-love. And that's a whole nother topic. But in a, in a nutshell, self-love, I, I was always brought up to think self-love was a bad thing. Now, if I think self-love is a bad thing, how on earth am I going to love others if I don't love myself? Yeah, but you have to be really careful. You know, you can't be egotistical. You can't, you can't do this. Well, of course. Your, your perception of self-love may be that you... Um, or that you see it as bad because it's always external. You're trying to make your body this, your, your body's not this, your body's that, you know, and you're, you don't love your outside shell. You don't love your 
your where you live. You don't, and that's then you create uh, a a world that you want, and that's maybe an egotistical viewpoint of what you think self love is. And I think people get that confused a lot. And so if you can't self love yourself, meaning go within yourself, you are inside your shell looking out through your eyeballs. Now, the way I picture it is that there's a me and there's a me in me. Um, I am only what people make me to be. So, and I don't under, know if that's understood, but um, everybody is who they say, who they say you are. And so uh, you're so-and-so you're the, you're the pastor of my church or you're so-and-so, you're the cable guy, or you're so-and-so, you're the guy that works at Walmart, or you're the woman at the counter. Um, that's how they see you. And that's, you know, you might then perceive yourself through the years as that, but you're more than that. You, you have to learn how to self-love yourself, go within yourself and know again, that the kingdom of God is within you. It's not external, that you are loved, that God is love and he's inside you to work with you to love yourself. Now, once you love yourself, it is easier to show unconditional love to others because you kind of understand because you've gone through that. You've, you do the stuff external and it's, it's a, it's a show for everybody else, but inside you still feel a disconnect. And it's not until you reach inside yourself, sit with yourself alone. Um, a lot of times people have to hit rock bottom before they do that. Um, a lot of times people can do that just by sitting and meditating or, or deep in prayer. They, have, they understand the workings of their soul. And once they understand the workings of the soul, then I think you can um, portray or give out unconditional love. Now, we're always working on that. And, you know, we might think we know some people who when, the, when we're around them, it's always love, 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 unconditional love. But what about when they're alone? You know, everybody's human here. And so we're all working on this unconditional love. But that unconditional love is always there always reaching out to us to share with us those um, thoughts that we have on unconditional love. And we may fall sometimes uh, from that unconditional love and then think, ah, again, well, again, you are human. You are striving for that. You, we are to um, be like, be in the image and likeness of this Jesus character that went out and talked with the people who in, in his friend's eyes, all his disciples and, and apostles eyes that he should have hated. He went out and talked with them just to talk with them to get their viewpoint, their perception on the track they were on. And he kindly said, you know, well, that's not the track I'm on. I'm on, you know, I'm here and I'm doing this. And, and they didn't like it, but yet, he still kept that unconditional love for them. Now, getting back to my three girls. Obviously, we didn't kick them out of the house. 
We didn't shun them. Um, these three girls are the most beautiful, precious things in my life. And had we had done that, it not only, if, if we'd have done that thinking that we were doing the right thing and shun them, no matter how old your, your kids are and, and what you do with them, it breaks their heart. And that's the last thing I think Jesus wanted to do was break anybody's heart. So we didn't kick them out of the house. We didn't call the cops to say, don't let them around our place. So do we think that a loving God, unconditional love, no strings attached, would do that to us? To teach us a lesson. My perception is no. I think it was written like that to control. Um, and it has. And it's worked. But I think we are all. I should say I think we all have the instinct or the innate knowing that that's not the truth. And as I look at that story about my girls and that plumeria tree, that's a story we've told. It was written about, and um, it's just an eye-opening story of love. Because the only ones that felt really bad about it are the ones who were trying to hide from it. We as the co-creators standing in the window watching that knew that our little creations were going to make mistakes in life and that we are just there to comfort after that and to love unconditionally, always, no matter what. So that is my understanding of unconditional love. And that's all I know so far. <laughs>